Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Ike's Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'm going to provide you with guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. And yes, if you've been a longtime listener or even a new listener who's uh, discovered the show and has gone back to the archives, which are at RexSykes.com, there's over 500 hours of what to do and what not to do uh, when navigating a film career. So at RexSykes, that's my name, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. Over 500 hours is also at the iTunes store. It's absolutely free. And at Blog Talk Radio. And um, uh, go and find the uh, uh, the show if, if this is your first time tuning in and, and go back and listen to the archives. I want to thank you, all of my listeners and readers, for, tu- for tuning in and spreading the word of Movie Beat to your friends and industry connections, um, for your emails, your comments, and for uh, all, all of the conversation on Facebook. It's designed, Movie Beat's designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. And today's professional, I'm thrilled to have back on the show. We did a show a while back. His name is Dan Davies. He's an internationally acclaimed and award-winning writer, producer, director. He's co-starred and produced or written feature films that have been nominated for the British Independent Film Award, the African Indian Best Film, uh, Africa's Academy Award, the Toronto Film Festival Best Film, Rain Dance Film Festival Best Film, and many more. He's won the Political Film Scientist Best Film, uh, the uh, African Magic Viewer's Choice Award, the African Entertainment Legend Award, and the Golden Movie Award in Africa, Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy. And he's also the first American to ever be awarded the Golden Movie Award, the top three film awards on the continent of Africa. His films have been nationally showcased on PBS, Retro TV, Network, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Redbox, the Tribeca shortlist, Walmart, Barnes & Nobles, etc. And he co-stars in two films that are respectively the number six and number 32nd highest box office Nollywood films of all time. Nollywood is the second largest film market in the world. And now Dan is considered the number one American actor in Nollywood. And that is no small accomplishment. He co-starred in the film A Trip to Jamaica, and it premiered on Netflix in 190 countries in December of 2019, and he's become the top 10 most trended and popular new edition for the month of December, and he'd been featured in over 1,000 media, including CBS News and, and, and many more, and he's been on this show, and he's returning today. Um, so let me bring Dan on and say, hey, Dan, hi, are you there? Hello, Rex. How are you? I'm fantastic. Yourself? I am doing great amid the uh, the uh, the COVID nineteen uh, dilemma crisis. Just uh, hunkering down, but it's all good. It is all good. And you want to know an interesting statistic that you may already know? Everybody thought I that Facebook, that. that social media would would go through the roof during this time of <laughs> quiet, Bailey. Uh, we're here with my dogs. Of course, we're all homebound. Um, ten years from now, most people probably won't know what that means, or we'll all be living in you know plastic bubbles. But the uh, <laughs> the interesting statistics: Bailey only barks when I'm 
when I do the show. She's like, otherwise she's like, okay, all is good. Now I want your attention, you know. So, okay, screw you, daddy. I want this now. Um, the, uh, the, the Everybody thought social media would go through the roof. You know what went through the roof? Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and all the yeah. entertainment. And uh, yeah. and people are watching yeah. movies like your movies. And, uh, and uh, that's truly interesting because there are them politicians, and we, and we won't make this political, but there are those politicians who every time they have the opportunity, they cut the arts. Yeah. And they, yeah. yeah, and the movies, no, nah, they don't need any help. And uh, the arts don't need any help. And who needs to read books and yeah. see movies and, and do play? Yeah. And guess what? In times of trouble, people turn to entertainment and movies, and it's still, you know, our, our biggest global export in this country. So, yes, yes, thank God. Yeah. 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 Now, I want to, I'm going to give you a chance to talk because I'm running off the master, but I want to tell everybody I first met Dan when I saw a movie that Dan had, had done that I didn't know existed. And when I found out that it existed, I, I called him up or wrote him or whatever immediately and said, Oh my God, you are brilliant. And that was Ed Gein, the musical. <laughs> and, and we had brilliant you on the show. Both. <laughs> yeah, both. Both. Absolutely both. No, it was, it was, a, it was, it is, it is, it was made on a on a cheaper than dirt budget, and it is marvelous, and it's got a sense of humor oh, okay. and a and a twisted form of brilliance that uh, is captivating. And uh, you know, my oh, friend oh. Doug Stewart uh, wrote Officer and a Gentleman, and then they came back years later and made Officer and a Gentleman, uh, the musical. So you know, you're you're in you're in <laughs> you're in great company. Everything should be the musical. In fact, the musical should be the musical. they should do Cats the musical. <laughs> do it all over again. <laughs> a reboot, well, catch you, the musical. No, it, it's really yeah, brilliant. Really. And of course, then, and then you won a lot of awards for West of Thunder. And I want you to have a chance to talk a little bit about both of these movies and how sure. each of them have contributed to where you are today and why it might be a Great. really good idea for people to write and produce and get their movies out there, especially when they can. Great. You bet. Well, first of all, Rex, thank you for the amazing um, uh, build-up there, uh, describing Ed Gein the musical. Um, it's very humbling um, to know that you, because I respect you so much for you to feel that way about it. It's a polarizing film. Um, I'm sure. To a musical, I'm sure. uh, cannibal, yeah, cannibalistic yeah. Uh, serial killer who. Uh, uh, also necrophiliac and uh, you know, a, a right. grave robber uh, and make it. What, what I wanted to do with that film very quickly was to showcase the mental illness that was brought upon from a young age because he suffered under the hands of his father who physically abused him and his mom, according to a lot of um, the specialists that worked with him at uh, Mendota Mental Health Institute, his mom probably... Uh, abused him sexually. Well, so you, you throw those two things in the mix and you create a monster. And I really wanted it to kind of showcase that. And I, and I didn't want it to belittle um, or make light of his victims. Um, I, that's, I changed a lot of names because of that. And I just really wanted to showcase um, his uh, mental disassociative behaviors and, and his instability more so than anything. And, and it actually turned out, I, I, I'm not a, I'm a little bit of a music guy, but um, my friend Will Kaiser um, yes. was our music director 
and Will's very talented. Um, Indeed. As a matter of fact, he's got uh, an album out that just released, I think, yesterday called Angel in a Haunted House. Oh, and, cool. Uh, he, cool. Yeah, so it's mostly instrumental, but he has two of the Ed Gein, the musical songs that he wrote specifically for the film on that. But with, with each each one of the songs, I wanted the songs to be um, just in Ed's head and nobody else's. So, you know, because according to legend, he um, would dance with these corpses in the uh, the light of the moon. You know, he'd dig them up and dance with these. <laughs> and well, have I mean, dance. does it, does it to everybody? I mean... Yeah, yeah, isn't that a normal uh, Friday night in Wisconsin? It's, it's a normal Wisconsin activity, exactly. Well, yeah. I, I want to share a story with you when you're done, but keep going, keep going. But so, so having said that, I I thought, well, let's let's you know, let's make something that people can wrap their heads around and enjoy. I didn't want it to be exploitative, um, and I didn't want to, again to belittle. Um, the, the victims. So I, I did it almost as a psychological treatise with music. And it's funny when the PBS got it um, and they aired it, which was really kind of cool. They yeah. had to cut out a lot of it. <laughs> they edited it out. It's not graphically violent or anything like that, nor is it sexually explicit or anything, but they did have to take a lot. And what they did was the way they cut it, the way they edited it, it it's, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so, and it wasn't my intention for it to be a comedy per se. I, uh-huh. I wanted it to be a musical number one, um, and 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 with funny elements. But the way they cut right. it, it's absolutely hilarious. And they oh, had this nice. uh, party for it at this bar restaurant in Appleton, Wisconsin, and um, there's about 150 or so people there, and people are just laughing their asses off, and I'm like. Kind of standing up. No, that's not supposed to be funny. Why are people <laughs> laughing? You know, but <laughs> saying this is hilarious. Yeah, but just the way you know. Again, the power of the editor. I guess you know can really wow, yeah. make a make or break a film. So they made it very very hilarious, which is uh, still kind of funny. But that kind of kicked it off for me because of the amount of publicity and that was in over a thousand media from. Well, the Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Chicago Tribune, L.A. Times, New York Post, uh, CBS National News, National Public Radio. It it became kind of this own entity with its own kind of power behind it. And it was made for $9,000. For director uh, Steve Russell, um, he was able to really, um, you know, with the help of of our, our great cast and crew, really, make a, a, a nice film for under, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars. So it is nice. So that's, that's kinda it. Yeah, it's we're we're gonna have a ten year anniversary of it coming up, um, at the Film Forte, which is a, a film festival that I founded, um, and also the NIFA Awards, which are the National Independent Film Awards as well. So we're gonna have a ten year anniversary coming up because of the coronavirus and this dilemma, it was originally April 30th through May 3rd. We're still going to have a, a very a short, uh, truncated film forte, which is having movies and music, live music and bars, restaurants. But we're having a bigger one July 9 through 12. And our first-year winners to the NIFO Awards, I reached out to uh, 
I did a, a movie that's coming out this year with uh, Tom Sizemore and uh, Neil McCoy, the country legend. So I add, I reached out to Neil and I said, Neil, do you mind if I give you this award called the Knife Musical Legend Award? And um, he's like, well, damn, that'd be great. And uh, so <laughs> he became our first recipient. And then I thought, what the hell? I, I started reaching out to some of these luminaries um, that are just legends in Hollywood. And uh, Sir Sean Connery reached out to his people. And after many, many emails and phone calls, um, he accepted the award for the uh, NIFA Lifetime Achievement Award, which is now called the Connery Award. Um, and um, also Michael Blake, who wrote uh, Dances with Wolves, uh, worked right. with him a lot. And he died a, a couple years ago, so it's a posthumous award to him. And then Jeff Holm, who you had on, I think, yeah. last week, um, the post-production legend with uh, almost $20 billion with a total box office as a editor, colorist, uh, FX guy from Titanic, Spider-Man, you know, Shrek, I mean, the list goes on yeah. and on and on and on. Revenant. And he was right. a post-production, yeah, Revenant, post-production um, Lifetime Achievement Award winner as well. So that's kind of where it kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, is, is right now with the Film Forte and the Knife Awards. But getting kind of back to uh, Ed Gein the Musical, getting to West of Thunder, that was a great stepping stone um, to get to West of Thunder and Jody Marriott, Barlev, uh, with our executive producer and co-director on West of Thunder. And it, it's, it's sometimes it's people have to believe in you in a bit. You know, they have to believe in your vision and believe in your passion and be able to partner up in that vision. And that's what she does, you know, really, really well. So, um, but that's kind of, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, start with what you have, you know, and build it from there even if it's just, you know, your camera on your phone and start scripting things and work it from there because it's, you really want it to be a stepping stone to bigger and better projects. Um, I think the... That, I'm the sorry. That's, uh, too, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Okay. Oh, and I think with, with West of Thunder too, um, being able to do a, a, a Western, a period piece, um, at, uh, that was under, you know, three four hundred thousand to make. Which in Hollywood they spend that on their, you know, craft lunch. services, their food, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the lunch. You know, um, so it is possible to to create uh, really amazing, you know, films at, at a kind of shoestring budget. But the biggest thing, obviously, is the marketing and getting it out there. So, and that's you know. I always say one third of the battle is making your film, and then two thirds is trying to get eyeballs on it. You know. Well, that's you know that's very accurate. I mean, my growing up in Hollywood film school and producing school um, always said a third of your money will go to production, and two thirds will go to marketing. You know, your P and A. Yeah. And uh, and what a lot of people don't realize when they're making their first film is if you're fundraising or raising money or, or going to a you know, traditional investor route um, to budget for that in budget for your festival yeah. runs and stuff like that. Cause what they do yeah. is they, they make their movie and then they're out of money and <laughs> they can't promote yeah. it. Yeah. No. So that's, no. And, and you have to just, yeah. And with any filmmaker, 
be it whatever, if it's a TV pilot, either half hour, one hour, or a film, you have to set aside, you know, anywhere from, I think, 10% to 20% total budget. Probably, you could probably get away with 10%. And you use that because it's time-consuming. It's also sending right. out all the emails and, and follow-ups and phone calls. And if you have to have meetings, all that costs money um, because they don't fly to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of times right, you're right. flying to them. And so it's important to always have that contingency, but, you know, marketing, P&A uh, monies built in. Uh, and your investors have to know that, too, because a lot of times an investor will be like, wait a second, what's this money for? You know, this isn't for, you know, uh, an Ari camera and your, you know, your lighting package and, you know, your half, you know, your, your trucks and da 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 da. It's you have to explain to them this is the most important part. Indeed. Um, I had yeah. Um Scott Bayo uh is I think a really bright guy. He said something one time. He said, um, if you want to make a, a movie, spend all your money making a movie and but you don't want to put the time and effort into marketing it and advertising for it and getting it into the hands of people that can get it into, you know, Netflix, Hulu, um, you know, Amazon or whatever, um, you're basically making a movie for your buddies um, mm -hmm. to, to play it in your garage and you have beer and popcorn. Because that's your goal, to make a film that your eight, nine buddies can come over and you each bring some beer and wine and, and snacks and popcorn. He said, that's fine. But he said, that's all it's going to be. But he said, you don't want it to just be that. You want people to be able to see it so that you can get to that next level. Because it's all about that. It's all about how many eyeballs and, and you know, box office and, and views and, and those types of things to get to the next level, to get a bigger budget on those things. But, um, yeah, so that's which I think it's, it's, it's fun to do short films. But I always say don't do short films. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Yeah, you know, it's, short films are fun when you're just starting out. Let's say you're in high school, you're in college, or you just, you could, no matter what your age, you could be 50, decide, I want to be a filmmaker. Well, start small and really learn the process through a short film. But always, I tell people that's fine then, but you always want an end game with your project. So if, especially if you're putting your own money and time into it or other people's money, you want to give them an opportunity to make their money back. Making short films, chances are they're not going to make their money back because we don't – back in the day, they used to have those short films, serial films that they used to, you know, watch before uh, movies. You know, they were called shorts. And yeah. they used to showcase um, short little snippets on, on TV as well but they don't really do that anymore. So if you can expand it instead of an eight or nine minute and get it to 22 to 24 minutes, well, now you have a TV pilot. Now you have, um, a, a, you've repurposed that idea and expanded it. Now with your time, effort, money, and your investors' money as well, now it gives them a fighting chance to make that money back. And it's literally, it's just a little more work. People don't understand that the amount of pre-production and work on a, a small film, it's, it's not magnified greatly when you expand it. 
because you're still doing the same process. You're still doing the storyboarding. You're still doing, you know, the script um, editing. You're doing all the things that you need to do. So when you expand it, it's just it's not expanding it exponentially, the amount of work. It's more work, obviously, and more time, but it's not that much more. You know, you're really only, um, you're, it's a good point that you make because you're really only extending the amount of days you're in production. Yeah, yeah. Which, which yeah, is costly, and, and, this is costly, but but yeah. all of your pre-production is the same whether it's a half hour, an hour, or 90 minutes. You're still yeah. having to do, still having to find all the yeah. same, you know, resources. So your point is extremely yeah. valid. And the post-production is the same, you know, it's just, it's just yeah. that the content is, is longer, but, and the production time is what's increased really. Yeah, yeah, and also, you know, a little bit obviously more on the, the post-production, the editing time, yeah. and you mentioned that too. There's going to be a little more, your workflow is is going to be expanded out a little bit. But it's like at least it gives you a fighting chance to, and I know you're, you're starting to see more and more film festivals take longer short films, where before, for years and years and years, the sweet spot was always at seven to ten minutes. That's what they were looking for. And they did it for a couple reasons. Um, number one, they could show more short films at a film festival. If you have, you know, one 90-minute movie or 10 nine-minute movies, now you have 10 opportunities to showcase really cool work from filmmakers from all over. And that makes sense. But, um, you know, you still want to, you know, now you're seeing more and more of these film festivals that have longer uh, short films, uh, just that even uh, Wildwood Film Festival here in Appleton, they had a lot of short films that were the 13, 15, 17, 18, you know, minutes long. And for years it was always considered, oh, don't do that. But because, you know, you really want it so that, yeah, again, you can repurpose it and get it to that TV pilot stage. And then it's about sending it out you know, <laughs> along with the Bible, you know, the overview of your TV series, um, the other scripts and teleplays that you have already written for the second episode, third episode, fourth episode. Um, and the Bible is, is really important as well, giving an overview of the story arc, the characters, their, their growth and development. And so, I mean, that's kind of what I tell people. So short films are fine when you're, you know, high school, college, or just starting, no matter what your age, but then graduate to doing TV pilots and then, right. you know, feature films. But now, and we had talked about this earlier, I'm yep. more of a, I, I love the TV pilot aspect of it as compared to the feature film. I think that, uh, like like we were talking, I mean, I do think that the the world is seeing that too, there are far fewer one-offs than there are TV series now. You can't binge watch everything that's out there anymore. You know, it's it's yeah. like there's not enough hours in the day. And uh, but what you can do with character development, story arc, and and yeah. you keep things in yeah. production year-round. You know, I mean, the cycle is larger. The payback is better. You've got something that that returns an audience, especially if you do well you know, yearly for yeah. as many years as you've got the show. My daughter and I were talking last night. She said she's watching Grey's Anatomy. And I said, that that's still on? She goes, yeah, it's like the 17th year, you know I mean? I'm like, oh, my goodness, I, oh my I didn't realize. That's crazy. You know? that's, so, that's, yeah, it, yeah, and the, the bottom line is it's still – and when I talk to people, we have to be flexible. I had a, 
spoke at Syracuse University a few years back, and one of the questions was this, this you know, young guy, I got this feature film, and da-da-da-da-da, and, and I couldn't convince him to really parse that out into a TV pilot. I said, you know, you're going to have a better chance of selling it and getting it out there if you can do it piecemeal and just get the, the TV pilot out. Because uh, it was it wasn't going to be very it was going to be a, a couple million to at least make it look halfway decent. I said, well, if you want to start smaller, unless you have that in your back pocket, or you have a rich you know, relative who wants to give you that money, then you know go for it. But you should really think about um, being more lateral, um, intellectually oh, yeah. lateral with these ideas. So he, he, but he, I couldn't convince him to you know make it a, you know, 44-minute, you know, quote-unquote one-hour TV pilot, and then from there. But you, nowadays, though, man, you have to be – and I always I, – I hate saying this, and it's not to disparage this young guy, but the real, real, real great writers, the ones that are amazingly great, don't be married to your script thinking oh, God, it's great. the end-all, be-all, and perfect. And I always think that's like a sophomore – you know, mistake is right. anyone who thinks, oh, this is perfect, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and, um, and you want to tell them, no, you want to be flexible enough to, to change whatever is needed. But I, I tell people this as well, um, and, I, and I'm not going to mention any names and I'm not going to mention some of these celebrities or whatever because I don't know if I'm still under an NDA. But as I was talking to this, this one uh, writer from Los Angeles. And I said, Hey, I have an opportunity to get a hold of this gentleman. Um, and I know I can get him for a lot less than what he normally gets per picture. And this guy was like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, we can't do that. I go, you know, <laughs> the bottom line to your, your project is it's fine to be an intellect and to be, uh, you know, a reclusive in your ivory tower genius. And if you have a shit ton of money, which he didn't, that's, that's fine. Just say, screw you. I'm just going to be an artist for artist's sake. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not his purpose. His purpose was to make it a viable, financially viable product. I said, if you can get a, an A-list or A-minus list star to be in it, it's going to help you. He's like, no, it's going to really screw up the dynamic of this. I said, no, a great writer can take, if, you, if you've written a script and somebody like, and I'll mention a name, uh, Denzel Washington, I said, mm -hmm. I love it, but there isn't a role for an African-American for um, a 65-year-old African-American, uh, American black male who's brilliant, who's articulate. That's who Denzel is. And he's saying, I'd really like to be in it. I usually make $5 million a film but I could probably do it for, you know, the SAG minimums. I'll, I'll talk mm -hmm. to my people, but I really want to be a part of it because I absolutely love it. And you say, well, there isn't a role for you. <laughs> like, what? No, a great writer is going to look at a script and say, how can I incorporate this person in and make things better? And a lot of times when you're bringing in that element, I always call it the brick. Someone throws you a brick. And you take that brick and you build a building from it because right now you want him in and you don't want to be, you know, intransigent in thinking, you know, screw you, this is my idea and everybody's so perfect. 
you want to find a way to be flexible enough to change up the script, but only if it adds more to the script, only if it adds more of the drama, the titillation, uh, you know, um, you know, all those things to make it more of a, of a, a better film or whatever, but never be so, uh, you know, ironclad with your, your script. And so many people are It's just like, wow. You know, and I, when I'm on set, oh, you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll, because they, they kind of know that I'm, you know, I'll, I'll do a, a lot of different things and I'll make suggestions, but I always come from a, um, a, a position of, I always preface it. I always talk to the director and if the writer is there, um, I'll just say, I have this idea. And to be honest with you, if you think I'm nuts or drunk or high, you can kick me out right now, but I don't care. And, and I don't care if you take it or leave it, but I really do believe it's going to add more to the character and it's going to add more to the storyline if you do this. I always preface that with it. And I always say, too, that, again, you don't have to take it. You can take it or leave it. But if you take it, you don't even have to give me credit. Care You don't have to give me any more money. You don't have to get, give me a creative consultant. You know, um, you don't have to do anything. You just take it and run with it. And then I tell them, this is why I think it will improve the story. And sometimes they will take it. Um, sometimes they won't. Um, I did a very quick example. I was filming a film in Los Angeles, and a friend of mine was in, um, was in Los Angeles. He's from London, and his movie Rush, the Ron Howard film with uh, uh-huh. Liam Hemsworth and, and all kinds of people, um, ha- was having its opening at um, Grauman's Chinese Theater. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was Grauman's. And so... I, I'm talking to him on the phone because I want him to be in our film, but that we were filming. And I created this character for him. And then I wrote a, a page or two of script to add to the film. And I went to the director. I said, we got this, this actor who's from London who can do it for a very minimal amount of money. And he's amazing. Plus his film, he's got a su- small supporting role in this Ron Howard film with Liam Hemsworth called Rush. And I think it just add a lot. Well, the director basically said, nah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to take, you know, somebody that's, that that night is going to a spectacular Hollywood opening with right. Ron Howard and Liam Hemsworth and, and uh, I thought the German actor, I forgot what he, uh, what's his name, that plays, uh, uh, the other race car driver in it, but it's like a massive thing. I said, why don't we take advantage of this? He's like, nah, nah. I'm like, wow. If you're, <laughs> I, I, and then I kind of looked at him and I said, man, I don't know. This isn't going to bode well for you. You know, you can kind of tell the ones that are going to make it and the ones that are going to really create amazing things are the right. ones that are going to be that um, flexible and that fluid <laughs> in order to add to the storyline. And egos are getting in the way. Well, they truly do. Uh, they truly do. And, and, and I like how you, um, um, you know, shared that because I think what filmmakers 
authors, musicians, you, you've got to go, what is my purpose for doing this? Is my purpose yeah. to do a, yeah. a buddy film that we share the chips and the beer in the backyard and nobody but family and friends see it? Or is my, my goal to get it out to as many people as possible? Is it to stroke my ego and, and become king of the hill? Or is it to you know, develop a, 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 a realized career with some longevity you know, that, that uh, you know, I may not be king of the hill, but I, I will be reputable. You know, so what happens yeah. is, is people get, people get entrenched in different, for different reasons. Um, and it's, it's sad. And I think, you know, uh, it's amazing. You know, people would be far better off right now writing for television. If they could get into the writer's room on a series and get that career, they'd make far more money because they'd not only get a writer fee, but they'd get producer's fees from time to time. They, yeah. And yeah. they'd make a they'd make a living rather than trying to write a spec one off, where yeah. they've now yeah. got a completed script and they're trying to sell it to people who who already have yeah. their projects. Now it's not impossible and it's wor- a worthy no. goal, but but if yeah. your purpose is to get your movie that one off uh, seen, yeah. then you would think you would do anything you could to yeah. add value to that project to draw attention yeah. to the project. So, so turning down your actor who's seated on the on the cusp of a of a hot movie opening yeah. and to say, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. It's just really not that foresighted. And he could have shot it and then said, you know what, it doesn't work for the movie. But at least he he'd have had it. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. If it, if it, <laughs> so, I mean, it's an amazing thing how people, I had somebody come to me, I'll tell you two stories, but quickly, I had someone come to me recently. They said, we have a script, we've got a story, you know, we'd like you to be involved. And I said, well, don't, let's not make a movie, let's make a series. You know, and let's get yeah. the whole thing. So we did all this stuff. We worked. They were working on getting the money and everything else. And then, you know, well, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to go in a different direction. So, you know, uh, we're going to we're going to go differently. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, um, the point being is, is, um, and I don't know whether they're doing a series or a feature now at this point. But the but the point I'm making is, is that for all the time and effort and energy you're going to spend to try and do a feature, you might as well do the series. And for all the time and energy you're going to spend to try and get your movie seen, do whatever you can to add value, bring whatever name and two stories. The, um, an Academy award winning film actor was making a movie in Wisconsin with a friend of mine, director. And when he was completing his role here, the director said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to go do this little student film for $7,000 you know, on the East Coast. And they said, they're paying you $7,000. He said, no, that's the budget of the film. <laughs> so they got an Academy Award winning actor to be in a $7,000 movie because he believed in the project. Yeah, now, that's quite, yeah. that's quite a, a good thing, you know. And, and if you could do that, then, then you're smart. Yeah. Now, I did something um, somewhat opposite. I was producing a movie in Florida and I was also the line producer and the director wanted me to do a role in the film. And we, we were right out of the gate behind budget and, and <laughs> running over budget and behind, behind schedule uh, based on, mm. based on some skirmishes on the set. And uh, it came time to shoot and it was late. And I said, you know, cut my part. I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, it'll save us time and it'll put us back on track. So we cut my part. So when the movie was being released and it was doing really well with the release, I, I talked to a, a friend of mine who's a producing buddy of mine. We produce things and or we're working on a couple projects now. And, and I, I said, the movie's opening. He said, are you in it? And I said, no. He goes, what are you, why not? And I said, well, I cut my part because we were, you know, and he goes, you're insane. He goes, people <laughs> want to talk to the dead extra in the corner. 
<laughs> you know, on, on Good Morning America, they don't care who produced anything. You know, but if you're in the movie, in the movie, you'll bring attention to yourself and other. You never cut yourself out of a movie. And I went, well, you know, good advice. A little late. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you, you, the points you make are so 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 valid and so and so pertinent. Yeah. Um, I want yeah, to also it, mention. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Please go, keep going, Rex. No, I, I was going to say your idea of converting things from shorts, you know, back in the old days, the movies, there was a, there was the, re, the, the one reeler, the short, the serial, there was a yeah. cartoon, you know, there was a newsreel, and then there was a feature, and yeah. then usually another feature. So, I mean, it, the entertainment was different. And so the shorts or the serials, you know, had a, had a real active place. Um, there's yeah. really no place to market short movies. But if you're going to make a short movie, uh, uh, Roberta Monroe, who is a friend and an author, she was a Sundance programmer, wrote a marvelous book, and I suggest everybody read it. It's called How Not to Make a Short Movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> because she said as a programmer at at a film festival like Sundance, you know, we see everything, well, and, and here's what we don't want, so don't even bother with yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's, but it's, it's stellar advice, not just for the short film, but for the filmmaker yeah. to take into consideration because she's addressing genre and story and, and yeah. character development and all sorts of things. So, um, but your idea, you know, yeah. saying take the short and repurpose it as a, as a pilot or take the, you know, cause you can always grow it and, and then t- cast it as best as you can afford for crying out loud. You bet. You bet. And if you have that opportunity and if somebody on someone else's dime, has been flown in from London to LA, you know, it has some downtime and is goes to the the people that are producing the film that he's on just to say, Hey, I know it's my day off or two. Um, can I go to, to shoot this one day scene? It's not anything crazy. I'm not going to be do a fight scene or be thrown off a building or anything. So that, and then a lot of times I'll say, yeah, sure. That's fine. You know, um, because you're still under, the dime of the other producer, you know, when they get, mm-hmm. get you there. And sometimes they'll say no, you know, but most of the time they'll, they want their actors to do well because it, people don't realize this too, that, um, in, which will kind of get me into talking about Nollywood. You really want an actor who can expand your horizon, expand your markets in a yes. really unique way. So you had somebody coming off a, a huge, and now, he he does a lot of BBC stuff. He uh, is on the, the TV show with uh, House, the very funny uh, space uh-huh. comedy, uh, and and he's done a lot of cool things. He did a film with Michael Douglas as well, where he plays a a scientist uh, that was released, I think, last year, or two years ago. But he um, but you know you you want to kind of grab onto the shirt tails of that guy as well. And and it's also when you get these people involved, once they start getting traction, they're going to remember you as well, and vice versa. So oh, like, of hey, um, you know, um, I won't mention his name. Well, <laughs> I, I will. Hey, Ross. His name is Ross. Um, remember the time that we worked in L.A. I've got this other project. You're doing really well on these things, and it'd be perfect for you. Or vice versa. Ross right. is working on a project, saying, hey you know, I need a, a director, you know, a second unit director or a director for one of these upcoming uh, features that I'm doing and producing. And I had such a great time on set with you and it seemed like 
you were doing a great job and I, I loved your final product. You know, so it's it's all about those, you know, those those working relationships too. And and, it's, and some filmmakers just they can't see they're so myopic they can't see beyond their nose to look into the future and say it's really good to have these people involved not only for our project but for projects down the road. And and also too with ex- expanding what I'm getting right now is people are interested in having me aboard because they know with the Nollywood connection that I have and the films that I've done, um, it's it's nice to be able to get someone who's in these versioning markets. And, and Nollywood's the second largest film market in the world um, in, in terms of the amount of productions they do a year. It's essentially um, West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, but it encompasses the 24 countries in Africa that are predominantly English-speaking. There's a lot of English-speaking countries and French-speaking countries in Africa, and, and some countries are more the, the tribal you know, languages, so in a combination, pidgin and all kinds of things. But with Nollywood, it comprises of their full total fan base is closer to half a billion people. So it's not only those countries in Africa, it's a diaspora. It's the African people that live in Berlin, Germany, or Paris, France, or Toronto, mm-hmm. or Atlanta, or London, you know, and, and they're, they're huge into this. So if you can get an actor who can open up these markets Jeez, yeah. that, yeah, that you never thought of, it, 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 again, um, again, I'm going to use the word myopic again, um, and, and we're kind of conceited. He's thinking, well, we're America. We're Hollywood. You know, blah, blah, blah. But we don't need anybody else. We do now. <laughs> we found, well, you, know, with, you know, the Chinese film market, the Indian Bollywood film market, and Nollywood, those are massive yeah. film markets. And, yeah. and if you can kind of, you know, go across the ocean and, and do those things. What were you going to say, Rex? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say you're making such incredible sense and so many good and valid points. Oh. Um, you know, it used to be that, that you know, we're chronocentric. We, we think only in terms of our own time frame and we're ethnocentric. We think of our own, uh, our ethnic group. We're, we're egocentric. Uh, you know, it, it, the United States was like the film capital of the world and we produced all this stuff for out there. Um, uh, one of the people you know and you shot on his ranch, Peter Shureko, uh was a guest yeah. recently. His, his wife, Susan, was a guest on the show just, just a couple of days ago. Um, but Peter, uh-huh. you know, as a, as a Western historian, um, we'll say, you know, no, no, nowhere in the world are Westerns any good, but in the United States. So if you're going to make a Western, yeah. you know, and, and Michael Pfeiffer, who directed uh, some of these things, said, you know, it's it's a tough sell to sell a Western because it's got you yeah. know a limited audience. But if you what you just said, if you could put a, a Bollywood actor in your film or films or yeah. an Hollywood actor in your films, now you're reaching to these big, huge huge markets that you yeah. will never have access to, and it's yeah. just a wise, a smart. A business yeah. move for anybody. And and yeah. and regarding this last point, a few years back, I don't know how many it was. It was a Matt Damon movie. It was some sci-fi thing that was opening up, and I think we were going to a ten or ten or eleven o'clock showing, and we walked into the the theater, you know, a, a cineplex, you know, and all these mm-hmm. Indian people were were coming out. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of Indians in, in saris and stuff. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? 
And they go, I think it was a Tuesday or whatever, but they go, oh, this is Bollywood night. I go, Bollywood night? They go, yeah, we get more business from Bollywood, from Indians in this thing than anything else. It's it's our most popular film night. And I was like, you're kidding me. And they go, no, this is a huge business for us. So they were showing Indian movies. And I was, so your points are right, right to, you know, the heart of these matters. And I want to say one other thing in terms of you. Um, it's the humbleness and the lack of conceit that you bring to this. What you said about proposing an idea to a director or a producer or or anyone um, saying, you know, take it, take it or leave it, you know, for what it's worth. You don't have to give me credit. You don't have to pay me. You know, you this kind of thing. It, it shows that your concern is to the success of the overall project and for You're being right. a team to for being a team player. You know, and for yeah. making the, the overall value of everything that much yeah. greater and, and the reach yeah. of that much further. And that comes and that comes from a very humble place and, and but a very wise oh. place. And so I really appreciate you saying that. Well, thank you so much. And and I'm glad that you, you picked that up, Rex, because that's it's all about the end game. It's all about the end product. And if for some reason like even when, like for for Eddie and the Musical or West of Thunder, um, there were only a few times that I was really adamant because I was part of the editing process. Meaning, I don't, I have all the machines and the avid composers and that, but I don't, I, I touch them and smoke comes out of them. You know, they yeah, start on fire. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So but they go danger. Really Will Robinson Rex is in the room. Yeah, yeah get him out of here. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know a story. And I know uh-huh. uh, the flow of a, a, a good story, um, and, and so a lot of times when I'm I, I'm sitting in the one row behind on a very comfortable couch and um, and basically watching it as the editor is is going, and I, I let the editor be the editor, but if there's something that is really pressing on me, I will be the first to say we need to add this to you need to extend the scene out. And, and they'll be like, well, you know, or if the director is there. Um, if most of the time, though, I let a really great editor and director just, you know, use their genius on it. So every once in a while, though, I'll – this is a very uh, – one of the films I wanted to have this scene extended out that was using this language, and I won't mention the film, um, but I was speaking in this language which is really, really beautiful. And, and it was such a moving, moving piece. And I was like, you know, guys, we've got to keep this going. And, and some of the people that were saying, no, 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 it's in a foreign language. And I said, no, first of all, it's a beautiful language. Second of all, there's so much, you know, there's going to be translations on it. There's so much, you know, great, uh, like pregnant material there. It's just, it's so deep and so impactful. And they knew I was adamant. And, but this is going to sound really strange. Uh, they knew my, um, my morning ritual was, you know, lots of coffee. And then at about uh, 10 o'clock, I'd have to do, you know, my daily constitution and, you know, leave to, to use the bathroom. And, and they realized that the moment it was gone and they, they, they would make those changes. They'd say, screw it. We'll just do whatever. And I came back and I'm like, oh, you got overruled and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, this is a, okay, this is a bad mistake. 
and and some of the people there, I think, were thinking because I was in the scene, I was doing it like, well, Dan, his ego is in the way, you know, or whatever. I could just see what they were saying. But then the next day, there's a scene that I'm I'm in, and I'm like, we got to cut this. And the guy's looking at me like, what? He's like, no, this this isn't working. Holy shit, this isn't working at all. My monologue is no, no, this is not working. They're like, what? And, and, and he couldn't understand that an actor was looking at, that's one what I always refer to, I never refer to myself on the screen. It's always my character, which is yeah. name. I divorce myself from that character. I literally say that that's not Dan Davies on the screen. That's, and mm-hmm. I use the character's name. And I say, this, we got to cut this and cut it completely. He's like, you mean trim it a little? I go, no, <laughs> no, cut the whole damn thing. I've seen all the takes. It's not working. It's, it, you know, and I, I think I did an okay job with the delivery, but the story was I was bringing something up that was like a red herring that didn't need to be brought up. And I'm like, no, no, cut it, cut it, cut it. And he's just like staring at me with eyes bigger than saucers, <laughs> you know, all the eyes the size of plates. And he's just like, he didn't understand because actors, and I've worked with them before, they'll, I, very quickly, I had, I had to tell an actor that we cut his scene, a 45-year-old guy, and he started crying on the oh, phone wow. with me. And you never want to hear a 45-year-old man cry, okay, number one. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> yeah, number two, over something, you know, getting their, their film on the cutting room floor. But we had to do it. And he was like, crying and begging, and I'm like, guys... You know, it's it, because this editor, this person didn't understand that I was literally doing what every other actor doesn't do. Like, no, please don't cut me. Please don't, don't turn that. Ah! Because it's me, 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 me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's not what it's about. What it's about is getting the end product out there. It's about getting the best film, the best TV pilot you can do within yeah. the constraints and the construct of your, your budget. And, and the people around you. It's all about the end game. So drop you know, the freaking ego. No, so, I, I, don't want, I don't want to step on you. No, yeah. that's good. That's good. I'll share another sure. story, and, 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 but from a slightly different perspective. I had a similar situation. I produced a movie that somebody wanted me to star in. I starred in it. When I saw the cut, I'm like, there's things that don't work. And including me, you know, I don't work and yeah. the, the character doesn't work and it needs to be cut and it needs to be trimmed. And the, he didn't do it. And the years go by and he finally said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to recut the movie according to your specs. So you, will you meet me? And I said, yeah. So we had a, you know, a, an executive meeting now. Um, so, so similarly, but from the point of ego, uh, as opposed to from yeah. the point of no ego, um, I'm like this movie also represents everybody but it also represents me yeah. and if i look like if i look stupid it's it, yeah. it, it's not going to be cool either so there's things that need yeah. to be cut things that need to be trimmed they're not working it doesn't make me look yeah. good it doesn't make that person look good so take those out so that we all look better um so yeah. so if you are a supreme egotist know that it's not about how yeah. many lines you have or how many scenes you have it's no. whether it's, no. it works to you know it works to make you it works for the project and it works to make you, yeah. you know, better in the eyes of, of the beholder. Cause otherwise you're just shooting yourself yeah. in the foot. So you yeah. either come yeah. from a humble place, which is, is probably yeah. the far superior place 
or come from a sense of ego that says, I want to put the best thing out there and I don't want to be a buffoon by including the stuff yeah. that doesn't, that that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, literally it's, you know, the old saying, drop the, the ego at the door yeah. before you go yeah. in there because, and it's, it's just, it's just one of those things. And again, it's one of those to have the flexibility when you're creating a film. If again, as the writer of it, that you, you, someone approaches you and you know that they're a solid actor, okay, that they're very, very, very good. But you also know that this person is doing a lot of other projects. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, but it's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's mm-hmm. all about the connections that we make, especially Absolutely. living in the Midwest. You know, this very difficult, you know, um, that basically, we're unicorns here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fantasy creatures that know. don't exist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're that, we're that rare. Um, yeah. But you know, you you want to think about getting people involved in projects, not only because number one, they're talented, that they bring a lot to the table. Okay, that's the number one consideration. But if there's a secondary and a tertiary consideration, is you know, you want to, to bring them in because they show excellence, but then to think, well, he's got other projects, and now, you know, I scratched your back. Yeah, I did you a solid, hey, 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 you know, I'm here. You know? And, and it, it's important to kind of build that. And I know it sounds kind of um, odd, but we, we live in um, – film and TV is so um, – uh, what's the word? Um, it's so intertwined and so familial that it's uh, it, it's an odd love affair. You know, it's it's you, you know, it's so intertwined that you end up and you've done this too, where you've worked with, you know, Eric. We've both worked, you know, with Eric Roberts and Tom Sizemore and, and all these people, but you end up working with them on other projects, you know, because it's so. Um, so so closely uh, intertwined. Um, there's a word I was going to use to describe it, which I don't like. <laughs> um, but it's like a very close family, like a weirdly close family. I know the word. You <laughs> I get it. I get it. A little closer yeah, than they ought and, to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless you're in Kentucky. I'm just kidding. I love people That's right. in Kentucky. That's right. <laughs> I do. I really do. Um, you know, <laughs> or Arkansas. No, I, I love Arkansas too. Don't get me wrong. But you know, there's that. There's let's that go dance familial... with the corpses and eat them. <laughs> let's let's is, hit yeah, every taboo we is... can while we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's like a friend of mine. He's, he's a comedian, and he always does the the funny little bit. He's like, and he's originally from the south, so he can say these things. And he's like, he goes, Danny, I got a question for you. This is going to sound like really kind of a, uh, a weird question, but I want you to be honest. So um, if I accidentally, let's say, marry someone <laughs> who is related to me, do I refer to her as my sister or my wife? You better say that, that punchline again so everybody hears it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, so if I accidentally marry somebody who is part of my family, 
do I introduce her as my sister or as my wife? Um, (laughs) It's just that old stupid, you know, joke. But but it's it's that, you know, you know, incestuous, I guess. Again, I used it. But but Hollywood is that way. Film is that way. TV is that way. And you have to realize that chances are going to be working with these people again. So you want to do as much, you know, uh, um, uh, collegial work together where they can say, hey, man, remember that, that film? And, uh, you know, you, you wrote me in a role and one, I'm producing this and I really want you to be a part of it. That's how we build our, quote, unquote, uh, career or, you know, empire, so to speak, by, by working those things. But if, if you're the only person that's doing it and bringing people in and paying them and they're not, you know, requiting and doing that, then after a while it's just like, <laughs> that's why we do it. We, we need people. We have to build our relationships. We have to build our oh. colleague base so that we can do other projects. And, and it's important. And, and we live in a – TV is so – and film is so mercurial um, – it, 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 it's you, you bring hot or cold, and you want to work as much as you can and to build those relationships. And, you know, so that's part of it, too, is expanding, you know, the base of, of people that you work with and treating them well and paying them as well as you can and, you know, showing excellence, you know. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of yeah. it in a nutshell. Let me do this. We're going to take – got to take a break. We're at that halfway point. But let me get some websites from you about your upcoming events, and then I'm going to take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll continue the discussion. So, oh, um, great. So, Dan, where do you want to send people to so they don't know um, how to reach you and or come to events or, or learn more about the projects you're doing? Sure. I can give you a couple of different um, jumping off points. Uh, I, I, I like it. I'm going to start kind of uh, in, a, in a weird fashion. I have a, I've had a Wikipedia page that there are, um, I, there's eight admins on it, and they don't like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I tried to, <laughs> to make changes to my Wikipedia page, and the admins, the guys from one of the guys that kind of runs is from Germany, and basically he says you can't do that, Dan. You can't make changes on your own. But I don't really know how to do it anyway. And then he knows my IP address, too. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> just Dan. Like, son of a bitch. No, this is Jose, man. <laughs> no. There you, you go. Know? <laughs> so, so, so if people can get onto my Dan Davies Wikipedia, and if, if they know and understand the Wikipedia language of how to make those edits and changes, uh, that would be really helpful because <laughs> it needs to be Fix updated. it for me. I love it. <laughs> so it's my it Wikipedia page. I love it. That's great. <laughs> so it, it would be great if, if you know, people can, you know, first of all, get on it because there's there's metrics of how many people are on it, which is, and because of the this latest film on Netflix is really starting to, to increase, which is really kind of cool, but it just needs to be updated. So if there's any computer geniuses out there that know how to do that, I can, I can uh, you know, give you the information and all the reference, you know, from USA Today and recent articles and whatever. Cool. Uh, so how do they reach you? To, uh, Facebook. Uh, okay. Facebook is probably the best, just under Dan Davies. Um, and, you know, it's Appleton, Wisconsin, Dan Davies. There's a photo that's on... Um, you'll see 
Okay, I'm trying to think of uh, Mark Metcalf. I had a photo of he and I, um, our, our mutual friend Mark, um, in one of the photos. But go to Dan Davies on Facebook. Um, I can send you over the links as well. But also go to thefilmforte.com, and that's for my uh, film festival and music festival uh, this summer. Um, there's ways to get a hold of me. Um, and on my IMDb page, I'm so Dan Davies. What's that? I said, so you're not ticklish. <laughs> no. People um, can get a hold of you. Um, yeah, so let me can. just say, it yes, can. you have a picture on your site right now. Um, well, I have a picture of you at the Wyoiga Film Festival, I think. But uh, you have a but Dan Davies with uh, a headshot in a circle with some writing on your forehead. Yeah, yeah, it's I my I've got this extremely large forehead. Um, so people, I, I I use it as an advertising billboard. My it's my forehead's so big it's a five head, and I, <laughs> I write funny things or I use it to um, promote the film forte or upcoming TV shows or films, and it's just kind of a funny way to promote your your upcoming stuff. So if they want to get on to Facebook, but also on my uh, Dan Davies IMDB, Dan, Dan Davies VI, I'm Dan Davies 6, there's my uh, email address as well um, on that. So if people want to Facebook message or email, that's fine, uh, or go to the, the filmforte.com uh, website uh, for information about that. And then if they want to also uh, watch a really horrible film that I co-star in, that's doing exceptionally well in 190 countries on Netflix. Um, <laughs> that, to be honest with you, is not a good film. <laughs> um, but it's it's a fun film. It's a trip to Jamaica with myself and Eric Roberts and uh, some great Nigerian uh, and Ghanaian and African actors. Um, but it's just it's mindless entertainment if they want to check it out. It's uh, Netflix doing really 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 well. Netflix, which just blows my mind. Um, <laughs> absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how well it's doing. I just I don't. Yeah, it's just it's it's very very cool, and it's just it's something. If you had a couple of drinks, you know, had some red wines. Now that we're all home, kind of like you said, we're all watching Netflix and and sheltered at home and safer at home watching you know hulu and netflix and amazon so it's a nice uh two-hour way to, to kind of get your troubles behind you um and if you do have beer or alcohol it's going to make the viewing much more pleasurable <laughs> or if you're in jamaica and or a state that it's legal uh you might want to do something else while you watch it because uh you might need it to to watch the film <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's doing really well. So I wish I had more complimentary things to say about it. But um, <laughs> it's doing exceptionally well. It just blows my mind. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Well, that's really, really cool. I'm going to take the break and uh, and encourage everybody to go and check out Dan Davies on Facebook and on Netflix and uh, his Wikipedia page. And, of course, check out uh, filmfort.com. And you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, and the official web address for Movie Beat is rexsykes.com. Now, that's an archived website. In other words, I cannot any longer update it. 
uh, or do anything with it. It's archived, but there are uh, about 500 hours of uh, uh, movie conversations where filmmakers and fans um, from all around the world there at that. It's also on Apple iTunes. I think there's about 300 hours there. And on Blog Talk Radio, there's everything with the 500 plus hours. So um, I really appreciate all your comments and your support about uh, the blogs, the articles, my Facebook groups and pages and things. And, uh, I, and I appreciate very much. If you have guest suggestions, be sure to uh, uh, be willing to give me some guest uh, suggestions. Now, my other official website, I do a daily blog. It's Daily Inspiration and Gratitude. It's great for your attitude and for your career, professional and personal success is Gratitude activator.com that's my other website it's just as it sounds the word gratitude and the word activator but they're put together as one word gratitudeactivator.com and lastly my training and education site it's not film specific but it's attitude and professional and life uh, transformation uh, education and and programs is um, you can get it through nlponline.com it'll take you to my idea seminars site but it's nlp now let's party online.com that's one word and uh, and you'll have access to the program so i'm during this time of the coronavirus i'm giving away an absolutely free program normally 500 dollars, but i've been giving away absolutely free plus there's a support group on facebook so if you want to take advantage of it do that now it won't be free forever it'll be free for you forever if you get the program but i i won't be having this offer forever um so by the time you get this if it's down the road um, the offer may have been uh, rescinded. But um, I'm so happy to be uh, on air right now with Dan Davies, and we're going to return to talking with him. And um, And I thank you for listening and for uh, helping spread the news by sharing this and the other discussions and interviews uh, on your Facebook wall and Twitter and different places. That's always great when you share it and spread it. Um, <clears throat> Dan, back to you. Um, you talk about relationships and the development of relationships, and, and it's so truly important. I'm a huge stickler for certain things, and that is one, keep your word. If you make a promise to somebody yeah. like for being on time, then be on time. If you make a promise to somebody you're yeah. going to do something, then do it. Don't don't renege on it. Yeah. Hollywood, yeah. as you said, is, is not only incestuous. It's very, very, very tiny. And the, and the film community yeah. globally, even though it appears large and big, is really, really small. And so your reputation precedes you and i always tell people hollywood is a meritocracy it's just like you know people who've gone to college if they become if they get into the educational system they make it tougher for you to become uh, a, a part of that system because it's called closing the field they they went well we did this but now you have to do these extra hoops and 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 hit more bangs and whistles uh, but hollywood is a meritocracy they want everybody to succeed but they don't want to waste their time and if you're succeeding uh, that's great. If you're succeeding and you're a nice person, that's even better. And uh, somebody said this to me, so it's not my idea, but I've but I've co-opted it as if it were my own because I don't remember who actually told me it. Uh, they said a producer, think of it this way, a producer or a casting director, a casting director particularly has a responsibility to the producer and the director. They don't want to um, get somebody onto the production who's going to be a total pain in the ass. They want somebody who's going to be a team player so that, that so that they get hired again as a casting director, because if they if they put the wrong person forward, then they're going to get blamed. And you need to think of a film production, 
is like going camping, like going fishing in Canada. You know, you fly into a little lake area, you know, with a with a water plane and you land and you pitch your tents. Who are the people you want to be with? Do you want, you know, all the jerks and creeps and cretins and the people who do nothing and who are lazy to, to populate your campground? Or do you want people who you like to be with, who are friendly, who are nice, who are kind, who add value, who have fun, who know how to support each other and be a team? And the obvious one is, you got to think about, you know, we're going camp and who do we want to invite? And that's, and that's kind of what yeah. a movie is about. So yeah. uh, if, if you do something nice for somebody, the, the appropriate response for the other person is to do something nice back to you. It doesn't always work that way, but it, it, no. it, it is one of those things where after a while, you know, if you keep reaching out and helping someone and they don't help you back, that uh, yeah. uh, it may not be long before people stop, doing things for them. I mean, yeah. I've seen parents do that to their yeah. kids. They go, my kids don't appreciate me, so I'm not going to do anything for them. Um, I can't, yeah. I can't imagine thinking like that, but that's, you know, I think like the, the I, I tend to think like the prodigal father, I go, but you know, I mean, the kid goes out and makes all sorts of mistakes or doesn't appreciate me. That's being a kid. That's, that's what they do. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but the prodigal son went out and the father went, good, I'm glad you're back. Let's throw your party. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you, you do it without, you do it without judgment. I mean, talking about my children, and it's nice if you can yeah. do that with everybody, but not everybody yeah. can do that. So, and I, you know, I'm not saying I can do it, but I'm just, I'm just saying that it is the relationships you make today. Uh, yeah. It's the same reason you go to film school. You know, you, same reason people go to Harvard. You don't go to Harvard to get a good education because you can get a good education anywhere. You go to Harvard for the connections and to marry somebody, yeah. you know? And so yeah. when people yeah. go to US, USC or UCLA, they, they make lifelong friends who will be yeah. you know, film partners with them forever. And uh, yeah. and then the ones who aren't contributing are the ones who get cut loose. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot like that. And you really, really want to, when you're on set of a film, a very quick story, um, we're filming on Venice beach and uh, uh, for this one film. Um, and I won't mention the film, uh, but they had a camera person who was, she very she was very very talented, but she was about sixty three and that's great that's awesome um and she weighed about a hundred and ten pounds soaking wet and we needed for a very quick shot because we were losing the sun we needed to get this seventy pound camera and all its accoutrements across the beach uh, closer to the ocean. And we had a limited amount of time. So here I am. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's, again, this is a, uh, there were some union people, non-union. So it's not like I'm touching something that I'm not supposed to be touching. I asked permission. I said, hey, uh, I'm a big dork. I'm 6'1", 230 pounds. I might be old, but I'm still strong as hell. May I grab this and, and bring it over? I said, I'm very, very, very cautious, very, very very. So I grab it correctly, okay, because I know a little, and I get it across the, the beach in Venice Beach. She wouldn't have been able to do that. Now the director comes to me, and he's a little bit mad at me. I said, we're in this together, guys. We're in this together. If I wouldn't have done that, we would have lost a shot, okay? And, and we have to sometimes be that type of person because I do not like people when you're on set and someone's struggling with something. Now, now, obviously, when you're on a union set, you're not even supposed to touch a switch. 
okay, you're not supposed to touch the light switch, you know. I understand that. But with lower-budgeted films, you're in this together. You're a partner in it. I had a, a conversation with um, one of the union people, and I won't mention the union, and they said, well, you're not supposed to do that. I said, you're used to working on 10, 20, 30, $40 million films. I said, when you're working on some lower-budgeted films, it's all hands on deck. You really want to be a multi-talent. You really want to help people out. If you see somebody struggling and you're young and you got muscles and whatever, and this person is really struggling with something, help that person. Because I'll walk by and I'm like, you know, I want to be with, with, with classy people. I want to surround myself when I'm on a film set so that a gentlewoman, gentlewomen, and gentlemen that, that take care of each other. Because if you're that way and you don't help somebody who's struggling, then screw you. I, just, I won't have anything to do with that. And I told the director that, and he came up to me and he apologized. He said, man, he's like, you know, I was so thankful that you did that. and Thank you so much for helping out. I'm like, we're in this together, guys. I'm not above. You know, the first two days I was on set, I wasn't an actor. So the director goes to me and he says, what do you want to do? He said, you got this beautiful hotel, you know, you got, you know, beers, drinks, whatever you want, place to work out. So I said, I'll get my coffee, get my work done in the morning. But I want to be on set. I said, I can help. And he's like, what? I go, yeah, I can help. I, I know how to do this, this, and this. So for the first two days on set, um, I'm basically a PA. And I'm, I'm helping everybody. And, and, and the people don't know that I'm an actor. Um, there was, the, some of the people knew I was an actor, the other actors. But the, the production people didn't know I was an actor. So on the third day I show up, they put me in a $2,000 uh, uh, suit. And I'm looking, you know, totally strack, you know, the makeup, the whole work. And then I start doing my lines. And the production manager and goes to everybody, he says, this is what you can do. Don't we live in a great country? Where this, this gentleman here was hauling ass the last two days, and the director discovered him, and now he's in the film. <laughs> and I had to tell him, you know, I had to tell him, like, no, this is what I do for a living, man. This is about like six, seven years ago. I said, this is what I do for a living. And he said, they hired me as an actor uh, to be in this. He's like, what? And he just didn't understand that somebody would do that, you know. And I tell people, I go, if, if you can make yourself invaluable, if you can make yourself, again, all hands on deck, and to be able to help out, especially low-budget films, everybody wears many hats. You, Rex, you've been on a number of those where you, you've been a producer, you've been, you know, maybe a scripty, uh, yeah. you know, uh, an actor, a director. You've done all those things. Excuse me just for a second. Oh, excuse me. Uh, those Thank are allergies, you. folks. Thank you. Those are allergies, not, not anything else. So, <laughs> um, I hear you. I, hear you. I drink bullet coffee, so I cough all the time. You know, bullet coffee is coffee with yeah. butter in it. So it coats my throat, oh, yeah. so I always cough, and people are, like, looking at me like, oh, you're, you know, so I, I don't cough in public, <laughs> but I cough, I cough at home. <clears throat> <laughs> no, but it, it's important to, to really be able to, to help because, it's, again, it's all about the end product. It's all about, you know, if you can save the production money and save time and do all those things, especially on micro-budget or lower-budgeted films. Um, it, but I always get permission before I do anything. I just don't grab it. You know, I'll take that, uh, Ari, $200,000 camera. 
balance it on my head. You know, I, right, I right, right. Oh. And I tell them, I tell them that I know how to do this. Okay, I've done this before. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, you know. And, and speaking of my size, very quickly, we had we had talked about weighing the pros and cons of being flexible. And there's more pros to cons. And one of the things that there's a balance between you always want to get the finest actor for that role, but then mm-hmm. there's a balance. If you have a no-name actor and another actor who is equally as good, okay, they're, they're excellent, um, but they have more of that Q ratio, they have more of that fame, and they're bringing right. their A game, and they're also bringing the, the, a budgetary constraint within their, their budgetary constraint. They're saying, I, I normally get this per week, but you can pay me this. There's, there's a decision that you have to make. And intellectually, you're always thinking, and again, it's the ego, well, it doesn't matter. The best person is for the best person. Well, that's true. But then you have to look at yourself, too, as um, a financier. You have to look at yourself from the position of your investors. You have to look at yourself position as well. What will give everybody a boost if I get this guy or this guy? If I get this guy who has more of a following in Europe, in Africa or wherever, it's going to give us more of an opportunity to be seen, number one. Number two, for our investors to get their money back. So there's those decisions you have to make. Now, you don't want to take, if you have an excellent actor and somebody who's very famous, but they're a shitty actor, you know, which doesn't really happen that and, often. You, no, but there you know, are. There are plenty of people who work that are not that good, and there are plenty of people who aren't no. working who are brilliant, but, but, but I yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, you work around, uh, you know, their limitations, but you have to kind of make up your mind. It, it, you know, about five, six years ago, um, there was a, somebody had seen me in a film and said, and I can't tell you what cinematic universe this was because um, I'm still under, oddly enough, an sure. NDA, and I think I'm still under it. But what they did was they started off, and it was almost like the NCAA tournament. Um, it was almost like memory serves. It was like 64 men who fit the uh, actors who um, fit this description. They wanted somebody 45 or better, of uh, gray hair, six foot or better, over 200 pounds in muscles. That was an actor. So, and, and the, the, the closer we got to it, um, it was closer to somebody, you know, 50 or better. Um, and I was in at the time about that age, maybe 48, 49. And uh, so it went from, it was like they kept me in the loop, and it was like the NCAA tournament. It was like 64, and then it was 32 guys. And then they brought it down to like, you know, 20 or so. And then it was down to the final eight, and I'm in this group. And I'm like, yeah, holy crap. And one of the people had talked to me and said, we're not going to choose you. And I said, oh, um, Okay. Um, well, it's cool to be in the you know, final eight. Oh, yeah, we're not going to choose you. Um, we liked what you've given us. You're a fine actor. But we have these other seven guys. Well, actually, six of the eight, he said, are massively famous. Uh-huh. He said, you and this other gentleman aren't. He said, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> but right. they had to make, obviously, that really, for them, it was an easy decision. If you have these actors that have that thing, you know, but it was cool to be in that, that mix. Yeah. Out and it was like over a, a month period of time. And it was really kind of neat to, to be in that. But that was, 
a very smart decision on their part. <laughs> you, know? you want to make those smart decisions because you have to look at the bottom line. And the bottom line is the financial bottom line a lot of times. It's fine to do something that's like an auteur, that's intellectually amazing. But then again, if it's just you and your buddies in a garage watching it, if that's all you want to do, that's fine. But you want people to see it, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Well, kinda... and I think I think what you also what you also just shared there is is you got to know your place in the pecking order. That that oftentimes yeah. the decisions aren't made because you aren't talented, or you aren't a nice person, or that they wouldn't want to put you there if they could. But there are other yeah. economic considerations, or other creative decisions, or other people, or or a producer wants to put his brother in the movie. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons yeah. why people don't get cast. But yeah. Well, yeah. sadly. But yeah. what the actor hopefully should do is go, I'm a team player, know their position, know, know the, who they are in terms of the script. I mean, if you're a lead, it's one thing. If you're a supporting, it's another. If you're featured, it's something else. If you're a, a day player or, or weekly, you know, know, know what your contribution is. There are plenty of times when I've been on sets and they're made nightmarish either because of the, the, the director, producer, the, the cast, the, the crew, or, but there are those actors who you know, they get prominence, they get cast because they can draw a crowd and then they're a nightmare on the set and you go, geez, I wish they didn't have to deal with that person. Or they're not a nightmare because they're an ass. They're a nightmare because they bring an entourage or they bring stuff that's, you know, part of their, their, a part of their uh, habit and lifestyle that, that doesn't accommodate movie making. I have a friend who made a movie with a big star and said, we, after the first day the guy showed up late with you know 35 people and we pushed us back in terms of our our hours and so by three days later we're now completely out of cycle because you know you have a 12-hour turnaround time so everything got screwed just because this person showed up the first day late and had you know yeah. uh, an entourage of people so um yeah yeah it, it is one thing yeah, if you're working can, on a big yeah. go ahead Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to kind of mirror that same thing. I, I did a film um, in the central part of the U.S. that still isn't out yet, but the, the person that we got, um, I, I wrote it, and one of the executive producers, and I'm in it. Well, I wrote the, the role specifically for myself to play this agoraphobic person, and, and I, I could, you know, not to brag or anything like that, but the, the character was down. <laughs> I, I had a down pat, uh, slightly um, a typecast. You know, I'm a little bit of a recluse and have my idiosyncratic, you know, behaviors that are <laughs> part of just the, the, the lexicon of my personality, so to speak. But um, so, but the, this actor came up to me. Now he was big in the 80s and 90s, or in the early 2000s, and he basically said, "Oh yeah." I'm playing your part. You're playing mine. <laughs> a day before we started filming. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? And, but for me, thankfully, since I wrote it, I uh-huh. knew everybody's lines. I didn't have to learn uh-huh. the lines because they were my creation. So right. I went, okay. And then he goes to the director and says, you know, Danny is a little too young for this. We should shave his head. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like what? <laughs> so for my role, I have really nice uh, toupees that, and uh-huh. and, and 
Um, and some of the films you see me, actually almost all of them, there's only a few where I'm actually bald, where I look normal, like myself. Um, so, but they're very, very nice to pay. They're very expensive. So he, he basically says, I said, well, I'm halfway there anyway. I'll just take my toupee off and then shave the horseshoe of hair that was around my head. Um, and I went, you know, whatever. I mean, and I knew that he could do a great job in this role. Um, and, but, so I literally shaved my head for, you can see the photo actually on my IMDb uh, page of what I look like. I'm pretty much, you know, bald, like Telly, Savalas, Vin Diesel. I just aged myself there, Vin Diesel or whatever. And to be honest with you, I liked it. The the very short, I like short, short, I like who you compare here. yourself. I like who you compare yourself to as opposed <laughs> to like Riff Raff from the Rocky Horror Show or you know <laughs> <laughs> you know like Kelly 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 you know, Moscow Macho Kelly uh, Vin Diesel you know <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and it's funny too. I'm Riff Raff. Don't because, worry about it. Oh uh, um, well, I can very easily tell you this. We had uh, uh, Meatloaf. We wanted him to play the role, uh-huh. speaking of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Indeed. And, See how we segue? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, um, we were having just some, um, you know, some, some financial, you know, he wasn't able to, we didn't come to an agreement. But then sadly, about a month later, while he was performing, he had a, a, a mini stroke of some sort. And I hope, God, hope you know, help him. I ho- hope he's doing better um, because he had a, uh, an event well, he, you know, a trauma basically on stage. So not that we averted that, but, um, you know, and, and I hope the best for him, but, but yeah. he was originally one of our, you know, five or six major uh, choices, uh, along with Jim Belushi, him, Corbin Burnson, C. Thomas Howell. Um, I'm forgetting one, but we ended up with this other gentleman. And, um, but that's just, again, to, to showcase your flexibility that I knew for the betterment of the film that I could play this role and do a real fine job with it. But then this other actor could probably even do, if not the same, but better. Um, really and it cool. literally went from, yeah, the, the, the lead lead of it to a strong supporting role. So, you know, and, but that's, you know, that's what you have to do. We sh- we share some friends, and I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously, we don't, even, I don't even know who who we share and don't share as friends. But um, are you are you, are you friends with uh, Tom Malloy? Do you know Tom? Um, the name is really familiar, I, but I don't know why. You may, yeah, and and maybe, but at any, any rate, Tom has been a guest on the show, and he's a good guy, and he's a good friend, and he's produced a number of movies and and some television and different things, and and uh, and. Years ago, he said on the show, which I thought was really, really cool. He said, I, you know, I, I, I always cast myself like the third or fourth lead. I never take the lead role. And yeah. so, you know, he goes, well, why would you do that? He goes, well, because I want to put an actor in the lead role who can open my movie, somebody who they're going to come to see. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, what yeah. it does for me is I have this reel with all these scenes and me acting with all these different yeah. movie stars. So it, yeah. it serves yeah. me. You know, and it boosts yeah. me and gives me credibility, and it helps me produce my next movie instead of doing the <laughs> ego thing of I'm going to start. Yeah. You know, 
And uh, and I was like, you know, you know, some people are just smart. Like you're smart, and he's smart. Yeah. You know, they, they get yeah. the game, and they and they get, yeah. you know, what you need to do in order to to move forward, and how you can most yep. efficiently move forward, and 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 where the breaks are. You know, if you know, it's yeah. not broken, and it's not over unless you declare it broken and declare it over. But if you can be flexible, you like you said, and adjust. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing you know, your willingness to do that and go, yeah, cool. I mean, the guy can do it and I can do it. That's the, uh, you know, that's, that speaks volumes and, and not that many people would do that. It, and it's, but again, it's, you know, the bottom line is you're only as good as your last project. You're only as good as the, the success also critically and, and equally or more important financially, you know, um, it, did it do well? it's hard to get box office now unless you're Marvel or DC or a $200 million film, but you can get, um, you know, with, with Amazon and, and, and for example, Netflix, you know, the success of very quickly, this, a trip to Jamaica, um, which is boggles my mind, Rex. I just still even can't wrap my head around it. When it had its worldwide premiere, it was December 13th mm-hmm. and a trip to Jamaica opened, the same day, the same hour as Ryan Reynolds, six hundred oh, yeah, right. hundred fifty million yeah. dollar Michael Bay film, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. I, I do really too. I mean, I, do, I enjoy both of them, but yes, yeah, I get it. And it was it was nice though to open opposite of this massive hundred fifty million dollar film, and and so I really tracked it the first couple of weeks. And when it started getting on all these, these publications for most trended, most popular new edition for the month of December, I was like, oh, my God, this is pretty damn crazy to right. do a, a, a under $1 million film and have it do fairly well against this 150-time budget film. But it also kind of made me realize that, again, with the trip to Jamaica, it was really a huge team effort. Um, Eric Roberts uh, plays my the mob boss, and he plays my boss in it. Mm-hmm. Um, showed flexibility, showed um, that fluidity of just saying, "Hey, you know, I want the best for this. This is my character." It gave great suggestions, really added to it. And the African actors too that were uh, that lived in, you know, uh, originally from Ghana and Nigeria. Some of them still live there, but a lot of them live in London. Were the same way. They were like, how can we really expand on this to make it as big as we possibly can with it? So everybody was of that same mindset, you know, of saying, we're here as a team. Our director, Robert Peters, the same way. Um, mm-hmm. And Robert is a super nice guy. Robert's six foot three, and he's solid 300 pounds of muscle. Solid. Wow. And, and he really kind of believed, was, was he um, – he was like Vince Lombardi on set. Mm-hmm. He knew when to, to scream and when to get people motivated that way, but he also knew the opposite, you know, to kind of uh, massage people to get it. And did a great job. He was real tough on me. He was real hard on me. <laughs> and, um, and we're friends, too. And it was dif- difficult, especially somebody who's 6'3", 300 pounds, <laughs> you know, and I asked him one time, I said, you're really having me play this character a little bit differently than I thought. He said, Dan, 
he said, remember, this is going to open first in Africa. This is going to open on an IMAX, the largest screen in Africa, in Lagos, Nigeria. Population, Nigeria is 200 million people, 20 million people. They like their bad guys a certain way, okay? And I'm like, what? Because they like them to be these larger-than-life characters. In America, you can be a bad guy and show the subtlety of a bad guy. You can be this guy that just with a wink of your eye or a twinkle of your eye or a smile and just, you know, the, the, the difference in the, the two different markets very quickly is if, if I was a bad guy and I wanted to kill somebody, I'd come up to that person and go, um, in America, this is what I would do. You have two choices here. You can either follow me and be my best friend and go with me, and if not, I will kill you. Okay, that's in America. In uh, uh, Nollywood, it's basically, these are your two choices. You either follow me and be my friend, or I will kill you. And, and it's, they need, in their culture, that bad guy has to be that um, magnified. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that going in, and I right. had that conversation, and went, "Oh my God, that makes sense now." And you see, it's the same with Bollywood. Bollywood and Hollywood are kind of um, two different fruits, you know, but they're apples and oranges, but they're still fruits. And in Bollywood, the, ba- the bad guys are these really over the top, you know, like Scarface, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, and that's what they like. So you have, kind of have to be flexible with that. Um, I don't know why I brought that up, but uh, again, no, but it's, 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 it's being flexible. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did. And, and I'll, I'll share a small story or two, but um, I, I was uh, doing a small role in a, in a, in a movie. And I, uh, when it came time to shoot my scene, I started one way and the director goes, no, I want it this way. And I went, okay. And I did it the way that he wanted. And the only reason is, is that um, one, I'm not starring in the film, in which case we'd have lots of time together. I'm a, I'm essentially a, a weekly player and uh, I'm not, you know, so it's not, I'm not going to go, well, let's talk about my role and, and interrupt yeah. the whole thing and stop the shooting. <laughs> and say, Well, I really thought I was going to do it this way because, you know, I mean, money's being spent and they're, we're, 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 we're action. And I, I started out and he goes, no, no, I, I want it, you know, I want it this way. I want it instead. So I, I did, I did. And then he never said anything after that. So I assumed I was giving him what he wanted. And and we did the mistake, you know, and, and he, and when it was done, he, the scene was wrapped and he was like, good, great. You know, everything was, so, so my, my that's okay, Bailey. Okay. Um, my point is, is that if I were a star, if I were one of the major leads, I might say, well, you know, my character, this, that, and talk, but, but well, your point is this, and, and it, it, and it goes to the, this, this small role in the film. And that is, you know, your place and other people, may have information that you don't have, which is what you just said. And, and he knew how this would open, how it would play in, in Nollywood and yeah, and had to instruct you. And you were willing to accept that as opposed to defend your, you know, and, and that again, goes about the ego thing. We're, we're hired to help uh, something come to life. We're characters <laughs> and we are storytellers, but sometimes we think, you know, we are, I mean, 
not you, but you know, I mean, people think that they're hot shit. Excuse me. I say I never swear on the show. This is for PG, and I just, I just use that word. I can't believe it, and I'm not going to bleep it out. And uh, and so it's forever, even though it's a G rating. For goodness sake, Rick. Um, but you know what? I'm, but the point is, is that. <laughs> Is that you? You got to know your place, and you got to know why yep. something. You know, and and maybe you don't have to have everything spelled out. Sometimes it's the old saying when the yeah. actor goes, "Why should I cross the? Why should I cross to the door?" And the director says, "Because the tip of my boot will be in your butt if you don't." Um, <laughs> you, you, you don't go. What's my motivation? Now, having yeah, having said that, I want I want to share a story that I, I think I shared on the air already, but I want to share it just because it was. I'm I'm I, I get this movie with Peter Shereko and, and uh, Michael Pfeiffer's directing. Peter and Michael are producing. Michael Pare is one of the stars, and my scenes are with Michael primarily and a, a great actor named Larry Poole and some others who are fantastic guys. I mean, just wonderful. And uh, you know, and and with Pete, uh, and other scenes or whatever. But anyway, so my very first scene is is a scene with about eight of us in it, and I'm and I'm the the mouthpiece. I'm the the talking head and. And Michael comes in and there's a skirmish and a standoff and a shootout and the whole thing. So Michael and Michael, by the way, I want to say Michael Parry, you know, a, a friend of mine, Todd Robinson, whose movie is the last full measure opened recently. And uh, it was a dream project of his uh, to do. And we'll have, we're going to have Todd back on the show. He's, he's a, such a great guy um, as other guests too. So listeners, just stay. but um, uh Todd, we were having dinner and he goes, and he said, what are you working on? And I told him, he said, oh my God, you know, Michael Perry was one of those actors who at one time could greenlit any movie, you know, he, Streets yeah. of Fire, Eddie and the Cruisers. He's a consummate professional. He's a super guy. He doesn't showboat. He doesn't grandstand. You know, there were lots of times when we were standing around while things, and he would just stand quietly, you know, make chat quietly or something. He was always very attentive and never, never a problem. Just a lovely, lovely person to work with. But we show up and I'm do, I deliver my lines and, and there's a shootout and there's people who are arguing with him. And I'm one of the people who are arguing with him. And he goes, you know, I would just shoot him. I wouldn't take that from him. And the director's like, no, Michael, no, Michael, you, you can't shoot him. He goes, yeah, but, but my character, I, wouldn't, I would just shoot him. And, and I'm thinking, you know, my scenes are in order. If he, if he gets away with shooting me, I'm done. I mean, I'm wrapped, you know. <laughs> so in my head, I'm thinking, oh, please, please don't shoot me. You know, and the director just kept saying, "No, Michael, Michael, you can't shoot him." He goes, "Yeah, but you know, he's just giving me guff, and I, and I wouldn't take that. I'm, I'm this kind of guy. I mean, you know, I'm going to shoot everybody else. Why wouldn't I shoot him?" And I just sat there. Well, it, it was funny, but it was also a little bit frightening. You know, that sure. I might be done this day. And, uh, and the director's like, "No, you can't do that." And I'm like, "Thank goodness." But, but that said. That said, I, and I and again a shout out to Michael. I told him on the air and to Peter. They made that set such a wonderful experience. The top down yeah. and Michael and the people involved, and uh, and everybody cast and crew just really came together. And I'm willing to yeah, bet Peter. that if you had picked up the yeah. camera on that set, yeah, if you had picked up the camera on that set, and moved it, they'd have applauded you. They'd have gone, "Thank you very much." Yeah. I mean, you need yeah. that help. So yeah. there's there's you a bet. difference in yeah. difference in attitude. You bet. Or, Shireko, you, what, you, a, what a great guy. You know? He is. He truly is. Uh, He's marvelous. And his wife is incredible. Yeah. We just did a show together, too. And she you know, she produces 50 hours of television uh, every year for the Hallmark Channel and then does everything else. I mean, <laughs> I mean she's amazing. Wow. 
Yeah, I met her briefly, but I got to know Peter real well on the set of uh, West of Thunder. Um, and we were talking about his book um, yeah. on the West and films, and what a great guy. As a matter of fact, I think I got him some cigars. Oh, I did. Oh, and he loved you then, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I did, but I think somebody on set, I, either our set, because they were filming some other things, um, well, they disappeared. Um, uh. I could get to, to them, but um, and and then again, I might have smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, what a great guy! Just what a a a, a, a wheelhouse of information um, when it oh, comes truly. to the old west and films. And I love when he talks about Tombstone, uh, those oh, stories man. which we we can't really say. <laughs> Um, on the air, if, if he's telling you the same story he was telling me, uh, but what, what a great guy! Go ahead. I just I just want to point out oh. that I, I, you know you had done West of Thunder, and I think one day I was on his ranch, and he said I got to go do this thing, and we got in his truck, and we were driving, and he said, oh, they shot a, a little thing here uh, not that long ago, and I said, what? He said, this film mm-hmm. from Wisconsin, and I and I was like. Really? I mean, that's how I found out you shot West of Sundry there. I was like, no way. What did he So he said, what did he he said say? can I get a Huh? What? Oh, he, he had mentioned that. that oh, we were driving so cool. and, and we're, yeah, where you filmed. He said, oh, yeah, we shot, the, they, they shot this film. And I went, what? And he goes, well, this movie from Wisconsin. And I was like, oh, that's great. It, it, it wasn't this, was it? It wasn't Dan Davies. He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, that's great. <laughs> how, that's great how I found out. So he was always like, can I get a copy of the movie? And I said, and I did get a copy. You sent me, I think, a, a D, somebody sent me, Steve, or you, or you sent me a DVD of yeah. it, I think. And, uh, I think and, I, yeah. and I kept promising him that I would get him a copy. I don't think I ever did. I, I think uh, it's on, I think you can see it. It's on Amazon Prime. So, but I'll, we'll, off air, I'll get you all that information. So, I, you know, I, have, or, I don't have any, yeah copies of my own films in, in my house. I just don't, I don't like watching myself, to be honest with you. But I had one copy of West of Thunder that my executive producer gave me. And the friends of mine said, oh, we'd really love to see it. So I said, sure. And I gave it to them. And then a them? couple months later, it, I said, oh, I probably need it back. Oh, yeah. We've been passing it around like a doobie. <laughs> what? <laughs> because I don't even know where it's at. He goes, oh, Lord. But, he goes, it's been passed along many people. I'm like, oh, great. So I don't even have my own <laughs> copy, but, but we'll, we'll get Peter, you know. So he's yeah, because yeah, he, he, he wanted guy. to see it. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I know we talked about it not that long ago. We talk about it every now and then. And I think, I yeah. think uh, you know, he just did a show. We, I, I don't know whether we talked about it when we were shooting the movie in November, but, but I know we've talked about it between the movie and now. So um, That's great. It just got in, uh, just got into um, the most comprehensive book ever on the best cinema films of of all time from 1914 wow. to 19 or 2020, and it when it opened in Los Angeles, um, he was one of the people that had seen it and then um, added it to this book. So it's it's called the best. Uh, uh, cinema films of all time. How marvelous! Is really kind of cool. Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, holy smokes! Uh, so that's 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 really cool. And it won some really neat awards. And 
So, so let's 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 take a little historical walk back because let's just say that that you know originally it was going to be a different movie, and something happened, and and you called up and told me something was going to happen, and and, well, let me just feed it, and then and you took one of your other scripts, and converted it. So, yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. That's you have to be flexible. So originally. my executive producer, Jody uh, Marriott Barlev, uh, worked for this uh, nonprofit that helped save the wild mustangs out west, the wild uh, burros and mustangs that roam free in the west, like in you know, Nevada, Mexico, New Mexico. And, in, and one of the board of directors was Michael Blake, who wrote Dances with Wolves. And she got to know Michael real well. And we had, through that, we went down to, to meet him, actually. We were in South Dakota, and where there was this wild a horse ranch. And I showed him I'd be in the musical. And he really absolutely loved it and was blown away. He's like, oh, my God, so this, is, this is amazing. And so then as we were talking, he's like, well, I own a home down in, near Tucson, Arizona. He said, why don't you guys come on down? Uh, he said, I've got some scripts that I think you might be interested in. What? You know, you know, Oscar winner, you know, Michael Blake. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we went down to his uh, ranch in outside of Tucson, and he had this uh, script that he originally had written for Kevin Costner. This is about a year or two after Dancing with Wolves, but it was a Western. And Kevin Costner said, I don't too like doing another Western. I did, I did my time with, with uh, Dancing with Wolves. And then Russell Crowe uh, optioned it. But then the 12-month option went through, and then Viggo Mortensen had it. And then Viggo Mortensen, that option came through. And then he said, now I want you to have it. I said, what? He said, I'm gifting this to you. It's a script. It's all yours. Make it. So, wow. Very, very, very cool, cool script. Um, well, a couple of days later, his um, erstwhile agent had called up, and this this guy wasn't very nice, and and said some kind of not very professional things. And said he didn't give you that. I said, well, he did. He goes, no, Screenwriters Guild is forty two thousand, whatever minimum. If you want to buy it, you can buy it. So I'm like, ah. So I go back to Michael Blake, say, Michael, we're doing kind of a low budget thing here. So he said, tell you what, Dan. He goes, I absolutely love Ed Gein the musical. He said, why don't you write something? He goes, I have faith in you. He said, I love Ed Gein. He said, you can do this. He said, just send me every 20, you know, 15, 20 pages. Send me what you're, what you're writing, and I'll kind of give you my perspective on it. Because, you know, we could shoot it from the Lakota perspective, which, uh, you know, Dance with Wolves had that. And I went, great. So he helped me. I'd send him, I'd write 20 pages, send it out, and he would add in all these great notes. And then my uh, Jody Marriott Barlev also helped with some of the scenes as well, which was really kind of cool. But to have him as a mentor was Jeez, just yeah. amazing. Yeah, and and then we, we shot it and filmed it. So the original idea had to to be changed. And it was funny because, <coughs> excuse me, what I uh, – I originally wrote this treatment called Seed, which is now called Hell's Whisper. Um, And Seed basically became the character 
of Henry C. So, again, showing that flexibility, I had a horror film about a um, kind of a supernatural cop thriller horror film. And I took that same character and repurposed him for this fallen angel um, in West of Thunder who has supernatural abilities. So I took what I knew, took what I had, and just expanded on it. So the character of Henry Seed basically was a treatment that I had written uh, 20 years ago, you know? So, again, to show that flexibility. And also, real quick, uh, Rex, i got to tell you very quickly about working with the same actor that I had mentioned briefly. I didn't mention his sure. name. But what he, was, what he was doing was he was editing his lines. Uh, while we were on set. And I'm like, um, dude, um, I know you've done, you know, 70 films, this, this, and this, but you don't understand where I write from. Every line has a purpose. Almost every line has a purpose. If, it, if it's too extraneous or too, if it extemporizes or, or whatever, I'll cut it out. But a lot of times what, when I write, the characters are saying things that have a double entendre, that have a double meaning, that they're not just saying things to say things to fill time. There's almost like clues in what they say. And I said, it, because it's set up like a cop thriller with a twist ending. So you have to have these clues that reach up to that logical end, you know, the conclusion. So he was changing all the shit, and, and pardon my language again, and taking it out, and I'm like, Dude, when you're, when you're taking these things out, you're taking away from the conclusion. You're taking away from the surprise <laughs> right. ending where people can kind of come back and go, wait, he said something that, oh, my God, that's why he said it. That's why she said it. And I never know that she was, you know, the bad guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I said, once you start doing that, <laughs> without having talked to the director and, and if the writer's on set, that's a good meeting to have before you start right. taking your pen to it. And I'm like, because I just got to a point where it was just like, no, he wasn't going to listen to me. I think he basically thought I was the janitor too for the first couple of days. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're producing, you are the janitor. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And there's nothing you're wrong everything. With that. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with that at all. But, um, you know, you know, I still don't think, you know, the first day on set, I'll write him this check is the largest, single check I've ever written wow. for four days worth of work yeah. So for, for him. So it's essentially what a lot of people make in a year. And wow. <laughs> so I'm writing this wow. check. From, it doesn't introduce himself, doesn't say anything. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm the, uh, I'm the uh, recycling dude. Hey, dear, I just came over to this film set, <laughs> and I'm going to write you this check here, there, you know, and it's going to be pretty big, but you might want to kind of know who the hell I am at least introduce yourself or thank them. I was like, dude. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it is, it is, I'm sorry. I didn't step on your line there, but the, it's amazing. <laughs> the lack of awareness that some people have and, and yet they have a career, you know, and uh, uh, that's not to say that you should be, that anybody listening should, should emulate that because it's, um, let me, uh, to, to kind of piggyback on this a bit, I directed a feature and I was talking with another director and I said, I just want the, the editor to provide me a loose cut and then I'll take a look at it. And they went, why would you ever do that? I go, cause, cause the editor will fashion the stuff from 
the footage and they may have ideas that I never came up with. And they go, wait, wait, you're yeah. the director. You, why would you ever want that? You're, you're the person in charge. I would never do that. And I go, what are you talking about? I go, if somebody has a better idea than me, I certainly want to know it. Yeah. Why would, why would, yeah. why would I? And the other thing is, and she says, but you are the director. And I said, listen, I can't make the entire movie by myself. I mean, I can with a phone. I can, you know, but I mean, but the point is I can't really make a feature film. It's collaborative. And since there are all these different people working on it, why would I assume that because I'm the director, I should always be the only one who has any say in anything. So working, working with your, with your actor, uh, with your, uh, you know, to go over lines, it's one thing for the to, to do studio homework and go, I've got these ideas. What do you think? And it's another thing to just start yeah. doing stuff and changing it, especially if yeah. the writer's there. Yeah. Hey, we, we've got yeah, about five it, minutes and I, and I don't okay. want to, I want to let you have the last thought and the last word, but I also want to kind of steer it. Do you, do you, do you attribute your success to the fact that you produced these movies? I mean, you know, how do you like, how, so for people listening, you know, who want to have a career like you as an actor or a writer, or direct, you know, producing and directing, um, how how would you suggest that they hook up in, in something like Nollywood or Hollywood or in the Midwest? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Again, if if uh, somebody is out there, first first of all, I tell them don't be married to one thing, especially because you. I've I've got friends that are now directors and started out as actors. They said I never thought I'd be anything but an actor, but I, once I started directing. I really, really loved it, really enjoyed it. So, you know, it's one of those things where, again, be flexible, you know, to, to, to venture out, to write your own, to create your own, and don't be pigeonholed into thinking, well, I'm an actor, I could never do that. Never say never, you know, number one. And number two, expand out. Number three, if you have a solid idea with a treatment and a, a teleplay or screenplay, make it. Get it done. Talk to your wealthy uncle. Talk to friends. Um, you know, there's uh, Indiegogo and some of these other, you know, and it's difficult to do that, but everybody has, I think, within their extended family or friends, somebody that could put some money down uh, for the, the TV pilot, get good people, you know, cast and crew, get somebody that could take it to the next level, that can open up a market that normally you know, that you can afford, obviously. And I just get it done and just, you know, just make it, you know. And that's the best advice I can give people. And, you know, I, again, if you if you want to, yeah, check out, you know, A Trip to Jamaica or, you know, West of Thunder was on Hulu, but now it's Amazon Prime and some of these other films, please do. Um, well, let me let, let, check them out. We're going to, yeah, there's Dan Davies on IMDb. You're on Facebook. You are uh, filmforte.com. That's F-I-L-M-F-O-R-T-E.com. And for somebody, mm-hmm. some really smart person out there, help Dan fix his Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but how do you how how does somebody go from like a domestic actor to like breaking into Nollywood? Is there any tip to that or or is again, it again? It's yeah. Again, it was you know it's it's it's. Uh, an actor needs to market. They need to market themselves. Your, the product is you. Um, it's a sales job, basically. If you're if you're selling a computer, you want to tell the person why they should buy the computer. You know, these are the things I can bring to the table. So, you, and you always want to bring it 
is this is as a complete package. You know, obviously you want to bring your A game as an actor, but this is what I can do. If you have me on set, this is what I'm going to be able to do. I'll be an invaluable resource. You know, you can always ask for my opinion if you want, as a writer, director, producer, but also for the marketing end of it. Promote, promote, promote. I love publicity and, and PR and marketing. So the moment you have me on set, the I'm basically a I'm going to market it as much as possible because you're only as big as your last product. And if everybody had that mindset, saying when the film is out, I'm going to get it on social media. I'm going to talk to my contacts at Netflix. I'm going to do this because you know you want it to be successful. And it's weird that a lot of people don't do that. It's like man, a movie that's coming out, I'm promoting, 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 promoting. And also, I'm getting it into those other markets. I'm, I'm sending it to Film One Distribution in Lagos, Nigeria, in Ghana, in Kenya, in London. Um, I'm sending it to the contacts and the people that I know where I have a fan base to say, and that's what I can bring to the table. So you always want to just bring a lot to the table other than amazing acting skills. You want to say, but this is what I also can bring to the table. And then you become super valuable, you know, on a lot of levels. And you just want to be that way. You want to be uh, invaluable, you know. Excellent advice. Uh, Dan, we are, like, just about out of time. So I uh, want to tell you that it's it's uh, wonderful to be able to talk with you on the show today. Uh, I'm hoping that when they release the uh, the homebound conditions that I will see you at one of two of the festivals, either late April or in July but, or wherever. Great. But in the meantime, stay healthy, stay well, and thanks so much. We'll have you Thank back you. on the show. This has been fabulous. I know that it's it's uh, important information for all the listeners to have, but not just to have and to listen to, but to apply and make uh, things happen in their own careers and their own lives. So thank you very much, Dan, and have a great rest of the day. You I'll are. call you in a minute. Okay, thank you so much, Rex. And again, thank you, and God bless. Awesome. Thank you, sir. That is Dan Davies, and uh, what a fascinating guest uh, Dan is, and and a, and a unique and wonderful talent as a writer, producer, and actor. Go check out the movies wherever you can, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, you know, Retro TV Network, PBS, Redbox. You know, go go get it. Check out uh, a trip to Jamaica. I, I was going to mention to Dan that you know I got to see it in the screening that he had and, and uh, prior to the release and uh, uh, he, you do a remarkable job and and I'm pleased to say that um, I want to thank Dan for being here and you the readers and listeners of Movie Beat I've got many more exciting guests coming up my next guest uh, in April will be uh, Michael Seibel a uh, recent movie was uh, shot in uh, with Lance Hendrickson and Jackson Hurst and Allie Hills uh, called The Race he did The Ultimate Gift with James, James Garner Brian Dennehy and uh, Abigail Preslin, I did One Night with the King, uh, which is a biblical story starring Omar Sharif, John Rhys-Davies, uh, John Noble, and Peter O'Toole. And he's now currently in production on a movie called The Mulligan. And so, uh, and and uh, a family friend, uh, Pat Boone, is in this movie, and uh, Eric Close. So uh, he's coming up, and we'll be talking movies with uh, Michael Seibel shortly. Uh, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The archive site is rexsykes.com. My name, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. Go to nlponline.com for professional and personal transformation programs that you can uh, enjoy and uh, 
And uh, as always, please share these shows. Uh, spread the word on Facebook or Twitter, on Instagram, social media, so that other filmmakers and friends and fans can benefit from listening to guests like Dan and all the others. Uh, Peter Shereko, Susan Shereko, Michael Pfeiffer, uh, Jeff Ohm have all been recent guests. Michael Seibel is coming up and a whole lot more. That's a wrap on Movie Beat, everybody. Have a great day. Stay safe and healthy. <laughs>